We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Didn't do what Swaggy P do. <laughs> Teammates played great, and we um, came out with the victory, you know? I'm just trying to really get my, my NBA 2K rating up. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. Nick Whalen, uh, I usually would say here with James Anderson on Thursday, uh, but as you can probably tell already from the audio quality, we are doing this via Skype. James, you are at some exotic location about, what, a mile and a quarter from the office in Madison? <laughs> yeah, I am doing this from home, so. On strike? <laughs> I refuse to be in the same room as. <laughs> As somebody that plays for a rec league team that is now one and three on the season. Oh my, I don't even want to get into that. I tweeted a little bit about it last night. There was somebody on the other team um, who looked like, he literally looked exactly like Delhi in the face. Didn't have a mouth guard though, which you kind of diminish the effect a little bit, but looked like him a ton and then had ASIC shoes, kind of, I wouldn't even call them like mid-calf socks. They were like somewhere between tube socks and like normal socks, kind of like Jabari Parker type of socks. Pulled up as high as they could be, no logo um you know just kind of generic clothing um i'm like this guy looks like delhi and he played exactly like delhi he took two charges one was ruled to charge one was ruled to block i don't even think he scored but he had like at least seven assists a bunch of jump stops a lot of really nice fundamental plays and we lost i don't even know what the final score is but we lost by at least 25 so team rotowire is coming off of a second straight uh pretty humiliating defeat in the madison rec league yeah, I never know what to think when I see a guy wearing like running shoes, uh, like clear non-basketball shoes. I feel no. like ten time they're really good, and like seventy percent right. of the time they're terrible. Oh yeah, usually you're like, okay, this is a good sign. This guy clearly has not played basketball recently. But yeah, sometimes it's kind of like, wow, you have the confidence to play in a rec league game that's fairly competitive in those shoes. Like you must be pretty good because there's two guys on our team that are pretty good who wear running shoes. So. You know, it's just one of those things. Like, I think as you get older, that's becoming more and more common, I'm noticing, in these rec leagues. Uh, but we should note, you were not there last night, so you are not responsible at all uh, for what I would say was Team Rotowire's worst thrashing of all time. Yeah, I think those there's a correlation there for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. 
that you guys were beaten so thoroughly without me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no two ways about it. We'll we'll come back. I mean, like I like I said last night, the All Star break couldn't come at a better time for us. I think we'll probably, regroup. Probably. We need we need this week off, and when we get back, uh, it, it's it's going to be kind of pedal to the metal. Uh, okay, we have a few things we want to get to. We're going to do midseason awards. I think we're the only podcast that's doing that. I haven't really seen that anywhere else. So we'll be the first ones to pick MVP, Most Improved, Coach of the Year, Six Man, Defensive Player. Uh, we'll revisit some of our over-unders. Now that we're at the All-Star break, most teams have around 25-ish, you know, closer to 30 for some teams, games remaining. So we'll kind of get a better look at, at where we are with those picks back from October. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about All-Star weekend, of course. But we'll start at the top with the awards races. MVP, give me your... I think there's a consensus top three at this point, right? Is that fair to say In if you're a rational basketball fan and you have to write your top three choices in some order it's Harden, Giannis, and Paul George yeah I agree with that okay so what is your order it is Harden, Giannis, Paul George okay I agree that's what I have as well I think the gap between Giannis and Harden has closed over the last like two and a half weeks Giannis has been ridiculous in the month of February his true shooting is over 70 percent he's starting to hit threes every now and then He's rebounding at an even higher rate. He's been just as good defensively. Uh, but at the same time, Harden hasn't really slowed down at all. So like, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to, to penalize Harden, I guess. I mean, he's, he's continuing. I think he had what, 31, uh, 31 straight games after last night with at least 30 points. Um, but I, I think, you know, as we've talked about every year when we have this discussion, narrative is what's also like ultimately going to decide this. And I think, you know, Giannis started the season with the narrative, Harden probably controlled it from, you know, the start of December, excuse me, the start of January through, you know, maybe the last couple of weeks. And it, I feel like it might start to kind of swing back in favor of Giannis if the Bucks, who have still not lost back-to-back games, if they finish this season with like 62, 63 wins and Giannis plays, you know, 77 games and continues playing the way he is, you know, they might finish... 15 games better than Houston. And I think at that point, even though Harden might be averaging 37 points per game, it's going to make it a really, really close debate. Well, let me ask you this. If James Harden had zero MVPs, how close would this race be? That's a very good question. I I think you have to factor that in as well. I mean, even if he had won it, not last season, you know, if he had won one four years ago, I think that would help his case. But I mean, the argument against winning it back to back is you have to top what you did the previous season. And for so many guys like Russ is the greatest example, like there was just no possible way he could ever top that season, both statistically and from a theatric standpoint. That was a year after Durant left. So he had he had like arguably the best MVP narrative we've ever seen on his side. He had a bunch of game winners. At that point, he was kind of the only guy for that team. That was before Paul George, of course. Um but there was nothing he could really do to top that the year after, even though he averaged a triple-double again. The thing with Harden is that he is topping last season, like by a pretty significant amount. So I do agree with you that him winning it last year kind of inherently diminishes his chances. But it's not like he's, you know, last year he finished averaging 30.4 points per game, 8.8 assists. It's not like he's coming back this year and averaging 31.5 points per game and, you know, nine assists, where it's marginally better. Like he is averaging over six more points per game in you know roughly the same amount of of playing time um he's better efficiency wise you know it's it's kind of to me that kind of almost offsets because he's been so much better this year that you know i don't i don't know that he gets the normal penalty quote unquote that the guy who won it last year does yeah i just i think that there's going to be some hardened fatigue uh i think there already is weirdly enough right right i mean like when when it's time to cast votes Mm -hmm. i think there's going to be a decent amount of people that are kind of going to say like well i'm breaking the tie by giving it to the guy whose team's got more wins and mm-hmm. uh you know it's it's really tough because i think all three of these guys are having better years than you know a handful of mvps from the past decade or Steve so nash so, <laughs> um you know i think that it's kind of you know like the bucks in in like a normal year without the warriors the bucks would be uh like the favorite's to win the finals you know and, yes. and that's obviously not the case this year uh paul george you know having a, an awesome awesome year just the fact that he's doing all this while also being a defensive player of the year candidate um you know it's it's a really tough call i i don't think there's a right or wrong answer but i just think that what harden's doing is a slight notch above 
uh, in terms of degree of difficulty and just the context of what what he's doing. I mean, like that the Bucks are built just perfectly around Giannis mm. to kind of make everything as easy for him as as possible. And the Rockets have been playing some guys that just should not be playing in NBA games hey, and Harden's still kind of carrying this team to uh, a playoff berth. Kenneth Reed has been a monster. How dare you say that? What 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 can uh, Giannis do? Like, is there anything he can do to close the gap in your mind, or would it be more about Harden kind of regressing back? You know, as as we get more and more into the season with Chris Paul, maybe that scoring sinks back. You know, to like thirty three points per game or thirty four, which is still a ridiculous season. Like, is it more about you know Harden cooling off, or is there anything Giannis can do? You know, does how much does wins factor into this? Um, I mean, is what has to change? You know, after the All Star break to change your opinion on this. Yeah, I think it's probably hardened falling back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if the Bucks kind of keep playing the sort of exact way they've been playing for the past month or so, uh, then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be at sixty three, sixty four, yeah. maybe even sixty five wins. And then if if Harden, you know, if he's only like a thirty point per game guy the rest of the way, that's you know big enough drop off from what he was doing. Right. I think to, to kind of put Giannis in the driver's seat, but that hasn't happened yet yeah i mean it's crazy to think that right now either somebody who's averaging almost 37 points a game eight assists seven rebounds two steals and shooting 38 percent from three or a guy who's averaging 27 13 six and a combined three steals and blocks and basically putting up shack efficiency numbers isn't going to win the mvp yeah it's it's really nuts um you know i think i think Giannis, if he doesn't win it this year will enter next year as just the heavy, heavy, heavy yes. favorite. Uh, it'll be kind of all he would have to do is just kind of hold serve next year. And then he would get it as kind of like a makeup, like yeah. a, a do good award. But I think, uh, well, I think Harden in some ways kind of got that last year. He deserved it, of course, but I think yeah, well, he was due, you know, there were, I think he had finished second, what, two or three straight years before that. Right. And, you know, I mean, how much do you think, like is Giannis a top five defensive player in the league to you? Like is he a top ten? Like how certainly much? top ten. I mean, it, it kind of depends how you want to quantify defense, but I think yeah, I think there's a case that he's top five. I, I think he's for sure in the top ten. I, I don't think know about this, Harden. I think any case for Giannis, like if you want to make a really compelling case for Giannis over Harden, I would make it with defense more so than team success, just because I think there's a lot of factors at play. Uh, that go into his team success that aren't necessarily his doing, uh, whereas his defense is just so uh, so much of a separator between him and Harden that that's probably mm-hmm. where I would make the case. So how far behind is Paul George behind those two right now? Uh, not not super far, uh, but I just I don't really know what he could do to pass them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think – well, like do you think – Paul George is closer to Giannis or closer to whoever you have for Well, that was going to be my next question is, you know, where, what's kind of tier three? I think Harden and Giannis are tier one. Paul George is kind of by himself in tier two. And then, you know, there's maybe three to five guys you could, you could put below him. I think right now, after the last like three weeks that Paul George has had, he's closer to Giannis and Harden to me than he is to Jokic or Kawhi or KD or Embiid. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I would, I think I would have Jokic fourth. I think so too. I mean, I, I it's tough. I mean, Kawhi's going to miss too many games. I mean, I think Denver and Toronto are kind of mirror images of each other in terms of how they're going to finish record-wise. You know, they they have a lot of really good supporting pieces, but one clear star, obviously being Jokic and Kawhi. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Kawhi's missed too many games. I think there's just too many good players ahead of Jokic. I mean we can basically cross off KD at this point, right? I mean, I think we said back in October that for KD or for Curry to win it, there need to be a couple of injuries. There needs to be, you know, maybe one other type of development. Um, For example, Anthony Davis, you know, what's happened with that. And that team needs to win 60 plus games. And if you look right now, heading into the all-star break, they're only on pace for 58. And I I don't think, I don't think that Warriors roster can get an MVP unless you win 60 games and maybe even closer to 65. Yeah, I you know I still think that they are going to warrant down ballot voting at the end of the year. Like I would probably, to me, it's really tough to determine 
who is having a better year out of Curry and Durant, but I would probably put one of those guys fifth after Jokic. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't see them realistically winning the award. All right, so humor me. What does LeBron have to do to get back in this? <laughs> Man, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I think that I, I can't even imagine at this point. I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't even think that's bettable right now. If we wanted to. Um, Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I think this this next two months or so will be very interesting. I I still think Harden's a clubhouse leader. I think Giannis is a very close second, and I think PG is a very close third. And it's it's interesting that we have this content, consensus top three. Um, and Zach Lowe on the on the low post this week was talking about this. Like, it's going to get pretty heated. I think down the last few weeks. I mean, the Bucks are are, are one of those teams that's pretty forward thinking marketing wise. There's going to be a huge push to get Giannis the MVP, especially as they keep winning. We know what Daryl Morey's been willing to do in the past for this. Um, and two very deserving candidates are going to end up getting left out, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Most improved player. Um, these are the players that I just wrote down looking up and down the standings uh, just off the top of my head. Please let me know if I forgot anybody. Pascal Siakam, Montrez Harrell, Monte Morris. I even wrote the question mark on my notes because I don't know if he belongs in there. Both De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, John Collins, D'Angelo Russell, Justice Winslow. Am I forgetting anybody? Uh, nobody that I would put in like my top three or anything like that. Okay. Well, what do you have a top three? I do. Uh, and I'm, I'm struggling with the order of this, but I, I think in some order it's Siakam, De'Aaron Fox and D'Angelo Russell. I agree with that. I think, I think with Harold, you can kind of make the case that it's a little more, you know, like just increase in role. You know, he's which is in the past, honestly, has kind of led to a lot of guys winning this award. But he was averaging 17 minutes a game last year. And at the beginning of the year was, you know, a complete unknown who was a throw in from Houston in the Chris Paul deal. I, I mean, I don't even think anyone thought he would really be like a legit rotation piece. He's averaging basically 10 more minutes per game. His usage is way up, all that. The advanced stats love Harrell. Uh, I think he belongs in there. But I feel like there, there's bigger names out there. Um, all three guys that you mentioned, you know, I, th- I think which will, will kind of leapfrog Harrell. Numbers wise, Siakam's numbers, I was looking at this last night. Um, he scored, I think, what, 42 or 43 last night. He had a career high. His numbers aren't quite as good as I thought. He's at 16 points, seven rebounds, little under three assists, 1.7 steals and blocks, you know, 55% from the field, just 34% from three. Um, I mean, he's a guy that I think when you watch him, it's very clear how good he is. But I think there's, there's like a slight chance that nationally he might be, you know, dinged a little bit just because the numbers don't exactly leap off the page. You know, he's kind of more of a, a tough guy to quantify you know how much he helps you yeah I, I mean i tend to really love these kinds of players where it's kind of the the sum of the parts and just the fact that he he doesn't have any weaknesses at all and uh he can be kind of you know he he's he scored over 40 points i don't think anyone would have would have seen that coming no. but he's, he's well, kind the way of, he plays especially it's so hard for someone that plays that way to score 40 plus points yeah he's, he's, not, he's so, not just isoing 20 times a game He's so low usage, you know, yeah. he's either, he either gets the ball and, you know, just kind of attacks the basket and scores if he, if he thinks he has the advantage or he just quickly passes it. Like you don't, you don't see him just sitting around kind of dribbling and uh, not really having a plan. And, you know, I think he's worked really, really hard to be someone that is a capable corner three point shooter. He's obviously very versatile defensively. Uh, you don't have to really run any plays for him. And, yeah, I mean, those are the types of players that every team would just love to have as many of them as possible. And I think that he's going to have kind of a national coming out party in the postseason this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think he's deserving. But those other two guys are just as deserving. Uh, to put that in context, he has a lower usage rate than Marco Bellinelli. He has a lower usage rate than Jamichael Green uh, and a lower usage rate this season than Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> who, who, we, who we'll hopefully get a glimpse of this weekend in the celebrity game i think that's actually tomorrow night oh good good yeah. okay lower usage rate than dirk how is this possible <laughs> i'm i'm telling you man <laughs> is, dirk, like, is dirk selfish there needs to be some sort of yeah it, it's just to be as productive as he is yeah. with as low of a usage rate as he is like to me that just makes his statistics kind of pop a little bit in a way that uh it's tough to sort of quantify yeah, I'll run the numbers on that later. You can, I think, Basketball Reference let you lets you search by usage. Like guys who have reached those averages with that low of usage has got to be very few. 
Um, Fox and Heald, I mean, there might be a chance that those two like cancel each other out just being on the same team. I mean, they've both made pretty huge leaps. I feel like Fox would probably get the nod over Heald just because he, you know, Heald's been in the league a little bit longer. Like Fox going from 11.6 points last season to 17 this year, huge jump in efficiency, both from the field and from three. Um, and obviously the team success is probably the biggest driver for him. So I, I, I think like Fox and Russell to me are pretty close. Um, you know, Heald's right there. John Collins was the name I mentioned. I don't, I, I mean, he's only in his second year. He missed a ton of time to begin the year. Hawks are going to finish with 20 some fewer wins than the Kings and, you know, significantly fewer than Toronto. So he's probably out. Um, but yeah, I think right now it's got to be Siakam, right? If you took a straw poll, it'd probably be like 70 plus percent Siakam. Well, I was going to say like, I, it, it's really tough. And I think it kind of matters like what type of most improved player are you partial to? Because, mm-hmm. You know, Fox, I think, is the best of these players. And yes. he's, you know, to, to have that improvement specifically from uh, in three-point efficiency just completely changes the arc of the Sacramento mm-hmm. organization. But it's also a high-pedigree guy just making a leap from first year to second year that we sometimes see. I mean, do you want to reward that? Or do you want to reward, like, Siakam's kind of on that very gradual uh, rise up into like borderline all-star uh, consideration and then d'angelo russell i think is actually my favorite type of most improved player where it's you know some some pretty lean years early on mm-hmm. and then something clicks and he makes this big jump and and kind of actualizes the potential that we saw uh, for him a few years ago so uh, i i'm not going to give it to siakam just yet i mean I, I think all three of those guys have really really strong cases and it might come down to just who finishes better I almost wrote down Paul George on my list. Uh, there's There are very few examples of a player. There were basically like three examples, maybe two of a player that old winning this award. Uh, he would also become the first two-time winner of the Most Improved Player Award, which would be kind of cool. Um, but no, I think there are too many strong candidates. I mean, this has been an award that it seems like some years there are 10 guys you could give it to. Other years, there's just one clear candidate. Like Oladipo last year, I'm going to pull up the voting. That had to be close to unanimous, right? Oh, yeah, that that was a yeah, very he, So there were 101 first place votes. He got 99. Clint Capella got one. Spencer Dinwiddie got one, which sounds about right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's very rare for most improved player to be over 25 years old. There's only like seven. And there's only one uh, most improved player ever who's been over 29 years old. Do you know the only 30 year old most improved player in NBA history? Can you Pretty, give me a pretty random guy 1998-99 point guard for an eastern conference team really good Uh, on nba live does that help terrell brandon very close definitely in that same vein uh daryl armstrong i don't know how you didn't get that oh yeah sure of course that was that was a lockout shortened year you know there's a lot going on um but the last the last let's see five have been all pretty big names oladipo Giannis, mccollum jimmy butler Goran Dragic, Paul George. Like those are all guys who, you know, Dragic and, and McCollum maybe aren't superstars, but four of those six guys are like perennial all-star, all-NBA caliber players, which is interesting. I mean, you have to look at that. Like I looked at that when I was making the preseason prediction. Mm-hmm. You have to look at a guy that's kind of trending towards all-star yep. caliber. And that, uh, that's where Russell, you know, I think probably makes his case. Yeah, but it's weird. Like, if you look even further back, you get there's a run of like really good role players like Aaron Brooks, Danny Granger, Hito Turkaloo somehow won it at age 28, Monte Ellis, Boris Dio, Bobby Simmons. Like, none of those guys were superstars. So it kind of goes in cycles. Um, Coach of the year, who are your top three or four candidates? Uh, well, I think I think it's got to go to Budenholzer. Yep. Um, just. You know, it's it's really a dramatic. It helps that he's following a guy as bad as Jason Kidd, but it's still just a crazy. <laughs> they should they should split the award like Jason Kidd for for making the Bucks as bad as they were to help Bud look this good. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Mike Malone should get consideration. Yep. I think Greg Popovich should get consideration. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure. I mean, there are t- uh, Jaeger in sacramento yeah who would have thought that like three weeks in when he was it seemed like days away or hours away from being fired i wanted to give it to him like he was my coach of the year through like a month because it just was so 
improbable what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, but now it's sort of, you know, I, I would feel better rewarding the Kings by giving Garen Fox most improved player than giving Jaeger uh, coach of the year. But, uh, you know, I, I might vote Popovich second here just because I think looking at his roster, it's just, it's complete witchcraft what he's doing mm-hmm. with, with those guys. Uh, but I think Boonholzer has to get it. Yeah. Well, anybody who has Brent Forbes can win 45 games. Come on. <laughs> if, if the Kings make the playoffs, this should just be renamed the Dave Yeager award going yeah, forward. Well, yeah. If the Kings make the playoffs, he should get it. Just to, I mean, yeah, we'll get, be... we'll, we'll present him with a separate coach of the year award if he doesn't win this one. <laughs> okay. Six man. Uh, here's the list of names that I wrote down again, off the top of my head. Uh, Ursan Ilyasova, obviously Spencer Dinwiddie, DeMontis Sabonis, Lewis Williams, Montrez Harrell, and Derek Rose. All right. I think it's, for me, it's between Sabonis and Lou Williams. And I mean, I don't really have a strong take either way. Yeah. Uh, is, there, I, is it possible for there to be voter fatigue on Lou Williams? Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, this, the, the six man award, typically like there's, there's one guy like every five years that, that is in consideration every single year. I mean, we were joking about about Jagger, but like they literally should rename this the Lou Williams Award if he wins it again. This would be his third. <laughs> well, Jamal Crawford's got three too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How tough. many? How many does Manu Ginobili have? Manu? Yeah, he's got uh, he's got one. But he's he's kind of the Greg Popovich of this award. Like he could have won it every year from '05 through like 2015. Right. J.R. Smith's got one. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Sabonis is interesting just because he was, to me, he's like either the second or the third best player on a team that's going to win like 47 games. Yeah. Uh, Lou Williams is, you know, just the, the finisher on a team that's in the playoff mix. So um, who, do, who do you lean with there? It kind of, I think it's going to depend on how these teams finish. Like if Indiana finishes strong and Sabonis is a big part of the reason they're able to, to hang on to like the fourth or fifth spot. If they finish fourth, I think that really helps them a lot. Um, I think Dinwiddie was probably in the driver's seat for this for a while, but he, it depends how much time he's going to miss. Although his, his injury kind of came at an okay time because he at least gets the all-star break, you know, to, to save a, a week's worth of missed games. Um, but if he plays well down the stretch and the nets make a little, a little bit of a charge up the standings, I think he'll be in there. I don't think Derrick Rose is winning it. I think Minnesota is going to be like the, the luster's kind of worn off that. Like he had that really nice run, that 50 point game, um, I think back in early November. But since then, it, it's kind of worn off a little bit. Uh, I would, I mean, just for like the sake of history, I guess I'd like Lou Williams to win it, go back to back. I'm trying to see. That has not happened since 1991 92, Detlef Shrimp, of course. And that would also give the Clippers four six man award winners in six years. <laughs> <laughs> and and the two guys who were not on the Clippers would be Lou Williams and Eric Gordon, who were previously on the Clippers or currently on the Clippers. Wow, it's six man university. <laughs> uh, okay, defensive player of the year. Uh, I really don't know where to go with this one. I it it feels like from what you read and, and hear, like Paul George is kind of the the clubhouse leader here, uh, and obviously that's a big reason why he's in the MVP debate as well. I think Miles Turner, just based on his blocks numbers, is going to get some love there. Pacers have been good on defense. I think Rudy Gobert, obviously, is always there. You have to mention Kawhi, but uh, as as is the case with MVP, I think he just missed too many games. So my top three right now are Paul George, Gobert, and Miles Turner. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a regular season award, and I would give it to Rudy Gobert uh, just because I think he has the most defensive impact during the regular season. Mm-hmm. In the postseason, I would much prefer to have someone with Paul George or Kawhi Leonard's abilities just because I think that it's uh, a lot tougher for a big man like Gobert to impact a series on that end of the ball. Uh, But just for the regular season, I just think that he's lifted that Jazz team to heights just with his defense. That I mean, if, if you just replaced Rudy Gobert with, I mean, who's like a... Even you know, just someone like, <laughs> like if you if you replaced uh, just his defense, like he, you keep his offense. If you just replace his defense, so he's like he's playing all time O, all time O, <laughs> and it's like DeAndre Jordan playing defense Oof. instead. Like they might they might have 
like the same record as the Pelicans. Like I really, hey, I really, Hey, now it's that been, been that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean the jazz, they didn't start off the season all that well defensively. They're up to fourth now in defensive rating. I think they've been first since probably around Christmas. Uh, so that certainly helps. I mean, I, Giannis is going to get some consideration, right? The bucks are first in defensive rating as a team. He is first in the league in defensive win shares and first in the league in defensive box plus minus. Gobert is right behind him in both of those categories, though. Where does uh, does does Brook Lopez come in anywhere in there? On the, he on the- is among qualified players. He is twelfth in defensive win shares, and he is a little bit lower in box plus minus, uh, closer to like mid thirties. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's he's kind of the engine of that defense, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that guys like George, guys like Gobert are in a different tier than Giannis for me. That doesn't mean that he's not an awesome defender. I just don't I don't see him mm-hmm. changing games on that end of the court that often. He's just really good, and he's very versatile. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think what he does doesn't necessarily translate to like defensive player of the year criteria. Um, a little bit tougher to quantify. Do you have any thoughts on executive of the year? I just, I just kind of threw this in as a fun one. Uh, it's usually like... I think they kind of base it on like who makes the best moves the previous off season, right? Or in season mm-hmm. moves, I guess too. Yeah, I think it's you know I still think it's Masai. Yep. Um, but John Forst, like that, you know that that team really, with the exception of the Ursan signing, couldn't have been put together any better. And getting Budenholzer in there. Um, but I, I would I would still give it to Masai just for what they did with getting mm-hmm. Kawhi, and you know they were able to add guys like Kawhi and Marcus All while keeping all of their blue chip young players yeah. on the roster, which is just a massive accomplishment. Yeah, I think I think getting Kawhi is like the single the single biggest coup, and you don't count the Lakers getting LeBron. I don't think anyone really gives the Lakers front office any credit for that. I would uh, I, I think the Lakers front office has should get like consideration for uh terrible or worst <laughs> worst performance this year and and that, like i just don't give them any credit for getting lebron and i give them all the credit for all the other stuff i forget some podcast i was listening to earlier this week said you know i think magic's going to resign this summer and i agree because magic said he's going to resign this summer if he doesn't get the lakers turn around by the by the end of i don't know what he didn't give a specific date but i guess by the end of free agency this summer and i don't i don't think whatever they're going to do this summer is going to count as them getting turned around uh because it's been pretty much an unmitigated disaster since he took over he traded would you say it's fair to say he traded their two best picks like their two best lottery picks of like the post kobe era in randall and russell or is ingram or kuzma or ball more valuable than either of those guys uh well russell's definitely their best um I mean, that the Zubach trade doesn't make any sense at all either. Hey, that, hey, Mike, you got to get Mike Muscala, man. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Julius Randle, I, I love Julius Randle. I don't necessarily think he's any better than the guys that are still on that roster. But D'Angelo Russell, I mean, that was... That, uh, trade, that trade with the Pelicans gets done if it's D'Angelo Russell instead of Lonzo Ball or instead of Kyle Kuzma, right? You mean if it's Lonzo Ball instead of D'Angelo Russell? I mean, I mean, you're, the Lakers would still have Russell, and he'd be going to the Pelicans. Like you'd be sending, you'd be sending a package of Russell, Ingram, and Kuzma in a first. Like that deal gets done with the Pelicans, right? Well, if if you assume that D'Angelo Russell develops the same way, like I don't, yeah, think yeah, it, that's what I'm assuming. I'm saying this version of D'Angelo Russell is yeah, on the Lakers, but I also don't think that you can assume that because right. I don't. I think that just I think it was really good for Russell to get out of there and it looks bad. I mean it, it looks bad that he was the asset they attached to get rid of uh Moskov when it, it really probably could have been any of those young guys, but it's just yep. we don't know for sure that he turns into the same mm-hmm. player. But yeah, I think the I think the Pelicans would do something based around this version of D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Well and we said this at the time, it all goes back to those Dang and Moskov signings. Like they they like preemptively screwed themselves by making those signings, having to give up assets to get off of those guys or take up cap space, you know, in the in Deng situation. 
And, you know, obviously they couldn't have seen, they couldn't have foreseen this Davis situation coming maybe, or, or even LeBron being there two, three years later. But, you know, those, those deals, which I think were like the last transactions of the pre-Magic era, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, I wouldn't say set up Magic to fail, but put him a little bit behind the eight ball, I guess, before he even started. So if Magic does not resign this summer, are you going to call him a liar? I'm going to hold him accountable. Yes. Yes. It's like that. I've not seen this movie, but I heard there's a movie last year called Three Billboards where, <laughs> right, like some like a girl was like murdered or missing and her mom put up, you know, like, why have, why is nobody searching for her? How come? That's what I'll be doing in L.A. I'm sure I'm sure billboards in downtown L.A. are super affordable. Uh, so I'll just I'll just rent out three of those and then off we go. Well, you could put them up in like rural Wisconsin and <laughs> take take photos of them. <laughs> oh man, yeah, twenty nine wins. How come no Anthony Davis? Okay, uh, I'm going to talk about DraftKings real quick, and then we'll get into revisiting over unders, which is a process that I'm not exactly looking forward to based on some of the picks that I made a few months ago. Uh, but as we've said on this podcast all season long, we're partnered up with DraftKings.com, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know quite a bit about them. But if you go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings, rotowire.com slash DraftKings, you can get a free six-month subscription to our website. All you have to do is make a deposit of at least $10 on DraftKings.com. Then you'll have access to everything that we offer, DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full-season draft software. We'll even send you a PDF version of our baseball mag, which we just got last week. It's really, really good. James put a ton of hard work into that. You get all that for $10, and then you can use that money, most importantly, to win even more money on DraftKings.com. Again, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Just follow the instructions on that page. rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. New DraftKings users only. See DraftKings.com for details. Over-unders. Uh... I was a little bit reluctant to reopen this document. I knew there were some uh, that I would regret. Uh, there were some others where, and I find myself doing this all the time. Like usually it's in like March Madness or any other thing where you have to make picks like fantasy football. I'm like rooting against someone or rooting for someone that I think is on or against my team. And then it turns out that they're either on my team or they're against my team. Uh, like for example, I, th- I was convinced for some reason that I took the under on Portland. I thought that you had talked me into the under. Uh, and I was relieved to see that I took the over on Portland, uh, which is on pace for 49 wins. Their over under was 42 and a half. Um, but we can start right at the top. We'll go alphabetically. We're not going to hit on everybody. Uh, but the Atlanta Hawks, 24 wins last year. The preseason number was 24 and a half. As we head into the all-star break, they have 19 wins. Um, although they do play tonight at home against the Knicks. So sadly, that's probably going to become 20. They're on pace for 27 I was I was hammering that under. I distinctly remember saying that I thought this was the worst NBA roster that I'd seen since that process Sixers team, which was what twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. And Trey Young's been better than I thought. Um, you know, John Collins has, has made some strides. Their role players have been better than I thought. Kevin Herter has kind of stepped in and looked like a really good player right away. Um, and somebody you don't hear a lot about, Lloyd Pierce. I think he's not going to be in the Coach of the Year discussion by any means, but you know, performance relative to roster talent and expectations. I think he's done just about as good of a job as you can imagine. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, Trey Young and Kevin Herter both look like good picks. Um, it's going to be interesting to kind of how his, how we'll judge the Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade 10 years from now, uh, just based on whoever the Hawks get with that draft pick and, I mean, Trey Young looks really awesome. It's just not, he's never going to be as good as Doncic. But uh, yeah, for a, for a rookie point guard with his style of play to kind of lead a, a roster like this to even, you know, 22, 23 wins is, is pretty impressive. This is a, a kind of a bad analogy. As soon as you, as soon as I say it, you'll know why. But it is a little like LeBron Mello or LeBron Wade where, you know, Trey Young could have a very, very good career. You know, he could end up being a seven-time All-Star, but no matter what, it's just like it's not going to matter in the context of the guy who they should have taken. You know, and obviously nobody else could have taken LeBron in, in 03 because he went one. But that's going to hang like Trey Young, unless Doncic just falls off a cliff at some point. Like that's going to be hanging over. You know, I think Atlanta's front office and, and certainly like Trey Young personally for a while, right? <laughs> Well, it, yeah, I feel so bad for these guys. I saw 
like every time I see Trey Young get interviewed or every time I see DeAndre Ayton get interviewed, like one of the first questions is, you know, what about like the fact that Luka Doncic went like and he's been really good and like I feel bad that they have to <laughs> get compared to him. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's not going to look great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we I guess we skipped over rookie of the year. I didn't even put that in the document uh, because it's decided at this point. Right. I mean, unless for some reason Dallas you know, goes into crazy rest mode and, and sits Doncic or he suffers an injury. Even even if he got injured, it would still be close. Like he could not play a game the rest of the way. And I, I don't know if he would if he would, you know, if that would knock him out of the top spot for rookie of the year. Um so that's basically decided. But uh I wrote down a couple of my most regrettable picks and a couple of the picks that I'm most proud of. Uh do you have any that you would like to say before I go? Uh yes. I I mean, does the Kings one even count? I guess it does. But It's on my list. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> the Kings kind of duped us, though, right? I mean, our rationale... I don't, I don't even remember really discussing this pick because we were like, it's the Kings. I know they look better on paper. Things seem to be turning around, but it's the Kings. Yeah, I did. that one, I was just so tough to see that coming um, that I, I want to give us a pass, but I can't. I, that was that was bad. Uh you know, one that really kind of stings me, um, well, two, I went over on the Wizards at 44 and a half, and to go over on a team at that number of wins and then have them be this level of a train wreck is is kind of embarrassing. I don't feel and, bad about that one. I went over too, but Dwight Howard hasn't played. <laughs> this is a 60-win uh, team with Dwight Howard. I also just, I, I was telling you before we started recording, uh, I went over on the Celtics at 58 and a half and it, I mean, I know that the talent was there, but it was just such a sucker bet. Like that, that line was just too high. It was five wins lower than the, the Warriors over under. Uh, I just, I feel like all the smart betters were probably taking that under uh, just because Vegas put it so high because of all the crazy Celtics fans, and I was one of the suckers that also took the over. But uh, Sucker City. The, speaking of sucker bets, though, the one I'm most proud of is taking the Rockets under. Uh, I was a sucker on that one. I went over. They that number. So they won 65 last year. The number was 55 and a half when we made our picks. They're at 33 right now. Uh, they're on pace for about 47 wins. So it's going to take a pretty big second half surge, which I don't see happening. Um, although I, th- I think they'll get, they'll get closer to 50 because they were so bad for those first few weeks that that'll kind of even out a little bit, but yeah, they're not going to get to 56. No, they are not. That's a, no- I, I don't know. I just, I remember saying like, this isn't, this team is not nine games worse than last year's team. And I think, and this is something that you brought up a ton on that pod back in October was it's not necessarily that they're nine games worse. It's that they overachieved last year. And now you kind of have to meet in the middle when you start looking at this year's over under. Right, and just that the the top heavy nature of their roster, mm-hmm. like all it all it was going to take is for you know something to go wrong with any of those guys, and just the depth behind them wasn't yeah. there to make it. How much do they regret that Marquise Chris trade? Do you think <laughs> he just he just erupted for twenty three and six fouls last night? Was that in the G <laughs> League or what? <laughs> Basically, uh, Cleveland. Okay, like, that's right. a triple overtime game. He man, he managed to follow out in 28 minutes. Marquise Chris is at that stage of his career where you're going to have to preface all your comments about him by yeah. telling me which team he's on. <laughs> he really is teetering on the edge. Like it's rare that he's 21 years old. And would it surprise you at all if he was not on an NBA roster next year? I, I might be surprised if he is. No, I mean you could tell me that he was on any NBA roster. And I'd believe you. And you could tell me he was in any G League team, and I'd believe you. I mean, he's just very much a a rambling man. At he's this point. he's got to be the Vegas favorite right now to be the next Andre Bloch, and within five years become a naturalized citizen of the Philippines. <laughs> All right. Did you know Andre Bloch? I was looking this up the other day as one. I was just doing my monthly Andre Bloch news sweep. He negotiated a contract in the Philippines that forbade him from practicing. Like he signed something that said, "I never have to practice." And the team was just okay with that. Nice. That sounds like a pretty competitive league. Uh, well, you know, it depends. It's I, I, I'm not playing over there, so I'm not going to speak on it. <clears throat> All right, my worst picks. The one I feel the worst about, like I said, Sacramento's on that list, but they, they hoodwinked us. That's on them, not, not, not us. Chicago. 
you took the under and locked it in. I took the over and locked it in. And looking back, I don't know what I was thinking. This number was 28 and a half. They won 27 <laughs> last year and they currently have 14 wins. So it's not out of the question. You know, they could, you know, they could maybe run the table and, and make this a, a close one, but they're on pace for 21 wins. I, I think I saw last year's number and thought, you know, they're, they're going to get a full season of Chris Dunn. You know, I, I like the player, Zach Levine. I was, we were pretty high on Wendell Carter. And it was, it was clear like a game and a half into the season that that was going to hit, that under was going to hit. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's always a couple uh, unders that just hit real big, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bulls are one. The Suns I, are another. I'd love to go back and listen to that pod and, and try to hear your reasoning on that because I, I can't believe you took that. If we if we had more time, I would I would go back and like splice out, you know, what I said about the Suns or what I said about the Bulls. I honestly don't even want to go back and listen. Well, and the I'm sure I made a compelling case. I think even more so than the Bulls one being completely obvious. Like after the first two games of the season, I think the Cavs under. If you if you go back like. Anyone that bet, because I remember, like, I listened to a, a handful of, like, over-under uh, podcasts before the season, and I remember, like, some people making cases that the Cavs were going to go over because, you know, they wanted to show LeBron that they could still make the playoffs and stuff like that. And um, Dan Gilbert if, said that, right? Like, he wanted, to, he wanted this to be, a, like, a seven or eight seed team. And if you had taken the Cavs under and just watched the Cavs play like that first week of the season, you were just like, all right, you could rip up that ticket because there was just no chance that team was getting close to 30, 31 yep. wins. And you know, luckily, we both took the under. Uh, looks like you locked it in. I was a little bit uh, a little bit skittish. I think I gave a little bit too much credit to Kevin Love back then. But honestly, I, even if Kevin Love was playing, I don't think they're a 32-win team. Nope. No, this is this is a team that has twelve wins right now and might finish with like fourteen. Yeah, it, it's it's really disgusting mm-hmm. what they're uh, on the court every single night. I mean, you you mentioned Chris. But. Yep. So we we hit that Cavs under right on the head. Uh, and the other two that I feel pretty proud about uh, proud's not the right word. I feel I feel like we just made the right choice. All right, like uh, the New York hey. Knicks. The Knicks line was at thirty and a half. They have ten wins. They have eighteen straight losses. It's going to be nineteen tonight. They're on pace somehow for 18 wins. I don't know what, what metric basketball reference uses to determine that they're going to win eight games after the All-Star break. This, is, this team might go 13 and 69, legitimately. Yeah. We're not just making fun of them. Like they, have, they have not won a game in like a month and a half. No, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Knicks, what's that? Isn't there some sort of streak they have where if you bet the under every single... If, if all you did was just bet the New York Knicks under every single year, I think you would be winning at like an 85% clip or something like that. Um, so just keep that in mind for everyone that's just penciling in Kevin Durant to the Knicks or whoever to the Knicks. Uh, this is a team that has just made a, a living of letting people down over the past decade plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you didn't lock that one in. I did. Do you remember why you didn't lock it in? Like, was there some reason in the back of your head that you thought this team might win 31 games? Um, I don't think you're – so. I don't think my locks are on the sheet. The the stuff that I've been highlighting is just stuff that I feel good about. Clerical error. But um, no, I mean, I'm just happy that I I was not a sucker and and set over. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, and the last one was the Los Angeles Lakers. I think that was the biggest sucker bet on here. They were a 35-win team last year. They add LeBron, and that number was up to 49, which for a while actually looked pretty manageable. Like before LeBron got hurt and they had just, you know, beating the doors off Golden State in Oakland on Christmas Day. Like this, there was discussions that this was the second best team in the West. So it's important to keep that in mind. But they're now on pace for 39 wins. They have 28 right now. Um, and they would have to go like 21 and seven or something the rest of the way to hit that over. So we both went under. Um, and I think, sadly, there are probably a lot of people that, that hit that over. Well, and part, but part of going under was just acknowledging that LeBron was coming off a year where he played 82 games and went deep into the playoffs again and was coming out West and was not like, you couldn't assume he was going to play another 82 games. So I think that was a big part of taking that under. Um, I'm surprised that you took that under. Was that just you kind of trying to overcorrect? Yes. I I think that was my, one of my classic hedge my own happiness picks. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> where if they if you know i took the under if 
if that hits, I feel good about it. If they go over, then that means LeBron had a great season. So I, I win either way. I've been, yeah. This is how I've been living with the Jaguars for the last like 20 years. Do you feel like you're winning that one? No, it feels worse. <laughs> no, we, I, I, I had that on in my initial rundown of topics was like, what do you think about the Lakers? But one, I knew you wouldn't want to talk about it. Two, <laughs> that would be another two hours. Three, I didn't want to start crying on the podcast. Uh, I th- rock bottom, I think uh, we, the Lakers, hit uh, on Tuesday night against the Hawks. Last thing on over-unders. You dubbed the Sucky Seven back in October. Um, the Orlando Magic, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Bulls, the Hornets, the Nets, and the Hawks. Two of those teams are probably going to make the playoffs in Charlotte and Brooklyn. Do you have any, um, any regrets when it comes to the Sucky Seven? Should someone else yeah, be in there? I think I said this uh, maybe three, four weeks into the season that Washington needed to be in the sucky seven and the Nets needed to come out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that I, I still think the Hornets belong in there. I'm sorry. I, I know they're going to make the playoffs. Um, they're just that organization is just in a in the worst place you could possibly be right now. So I, I still think they belong in the sucky All-star seven. All-star weekend, maybe. If not necessarily in the the win loss column, just kind of in the uh, foreseeable future of NBA success column, mm-hmm. they belong in the sucky seven. Sure. Okay. Um, let's just run through some All Star Weekend picks, and then we'll wrap this up. Dunk contest. Uh, I imagine this is the first time you're hearing this. The people participating are John Collins, Dennis Smith, Hami Diallo, Miles Bridges. The dunk contest is the one where they judge who does the best dunks. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've watched. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, I, you know, I, I never pick the big guys, so I, I'm not going to pick John Collins. Um, I think it's, you know, he's an awesome dunker. Are you, are you heightest? I just think it's more aesthetically pleasing when people between the heights of like five ten and six seven. I'll say six seven is kind of the cutoff. Uh, I just I don't think it looks as cool, especially like the the best big man dunks are when they're dunking on people yes. in games, and you you can't recreate that obviously in the dunk contest. So a big guy flying through the air doesn't look as impressive as you know a wing or not doing it. So uh, I'm going to rule out John Collins. Uh, I remember being unimpressed I think by Dennis Smith's first go round. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, did you watch last year or no? Please be honest. Well, I, I've stopped watching this contest live, <laughs> but I, I do uh, watch the yep. highlights later. Uh, I, I feel like that way I can kind of make the, the best use of my time. Um, so I, I, to me, it's between Diallo and Bridges. And, you know, I think, I think Diallo has a higher ceiling but I think I have more faith in Miles Bridges putting together a winning routine. So I'm going to go with Miles Bridges. But uh, do you have those odds up at all? Is there uh, any kind of dunk contest odds? Because if, if Hamadou Diallo is a big enough underdog, I would assume he might have the worst odds of the four just because he's the lesser known guy. So but, get this. John Collins is the favorite at 7-4. to four. Dennis Smith nine to four, Miles Bridges five to two, Hami three to one. Oh, so there's kind of weird. They're all pretty close. There's not much value there. Yeah, Diallo's the the underdog at three to one. If you have yeah, if you have the underdog at three to one, that's uh, this is a toss up. Yeah, sound like sucker bets. Um, I'm going to go Bridges. Who are you going? I think Bridges as well. I have to cross out Diallo because of how badly he like biffed that windmill early in the season. Just you just can't, you know, yeah. is that gonna happen again? I don't know. I just don't yeah, like the thing the thing with Diallo is like he's a crazy leaper. Yeah. Uh, he can pull off a ton of stuff, but he's also the type of guy where I wouldn't be surprised at all if he just like biffed anything. Yeah. Like at any time. Yeah. So. He did say a couple of weeks ago that he doesn't like props, which I do love. I'm I'm not a big prop guy. Uh no. I will say though, like like Aaron Gordon using the mascot to like hold the ball for him like i'm fine with that i don't like the bringing out a second backboard or jacking the rim up to 11 feet or jumping over a car like things like that are too gimmicky you know there's there's if you want to use someone to throw you a lob or use steve nash to rainbow you something off the backboard like that's fine but you can't go too far with that so that in, in that regard I, i'm expecting big things out of diallo but i thought dennis smith should have won it last year i'm glad he came back to do it he initially said he didn't want to do it 
because he was still like spiteful about last year. Um, but I think he'll be good. And obviously Bridges kind of gets, if there's such thing as a hometown bump in the dunk contest, um, you know, I think he'll maybe get that. So Bridges and Smith are, are the two guys I'm keeping an eye on. What about the three-point contest? Ten participants this year, Seth Curry, Steph Curry, Chris Middleton, Dirk Nowitzki, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, and Kemba Walker. Well, there are a couple guys in here that I don't necessarily think should be. Um, Who are they? I'm going to guess Joe Harris. <laughs> Joe Harris is one. Uh, Kemba Walker is probably a bigger one. Well, uh, I, is he in this if it's not in Charlotte? I don't know. No, he's not. But I'm just saying, like, who cares? You know, like, it, nobody wants to see Kemba Walker in a three-point shootout. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd rather see Del Curry in there than Kemba Walker. Uh, uh, honestly, I think I would, too. That's a weird <laughs> thing to say, but I agree. That should be the hometown guy, right? He's a Charlotte guy. Bring bring Dell out of the crowd. Uh, you know, I... Obviously, the, the easy answer is Steph, is, is, uh, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go with Devin Booker. Um, but you know, if he, if he was out a little too late the night before, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a wild card with going with Booker. Whereas I think you can be safe in, in knowing that the two Curry guys are going to be well rested and well prepared. Um, I I think it'd be the funnest would be if, if Seth Curry won. If it's him and Steph in the final. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't going? want him to do it. Uh, I'm going to go with. Well, people are going to be rooting for Dirk like crazy, right? I just don't think. I think if Dirk won, that would just be an all-time physical achievement by someone that's as broken down as he is. Like I, I don't even think he could. Could he run around mm-hmm. the three-point line in sixty seconds? I don't even. That, know. That's a legitimate question. I don't <laughs> know. I, I would hope they kind of give him like an extra ten seconds. I don't think anyone would complain about that, right? I heard he asked for 15 seconds and Adam Silver said no. Really? That's surprising. They've already made quite a few concessions. Uh, <laughs> getting him in the All-Star game, for example. You'd think they'd be willing to do that. Uh, the odds have Curry as a 7-4 to four favorite, Booker at 9-2, to two, Heald 6-1, to one, Harris and Seth Curry both at 7-1. to one. So I guess everyone else is just the field. Um, so Devin Booker won it last year. Uh, does that influence your pick at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think... The, the moment's definitely not too big for him. I agree with Vegas's top three. I think Buddy Heald's a really good pick, too. Yep. Yeah, Heald is who I'm going to go with. Uh, do you know the last guy to win back-to-back three-point shootouts? It was 07-08. Uh, I should get this. He's uh, a specialty shooter, to say yeah, the least. Yeah, uh, Capono. Jason Capono, very good, yes. Um, beat a stacked field in 2008 that included Booby Gibson, uh, Richard Hamilton, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Peja Stojakovic. I think this is going to be the most guys to ever be in this, if I'm counting correctly. Usually it's somewhere between like six and eight, and we got 10 this year. Capono came along a little too early. Uh, granted, yeah, he, he was a terrible defender, so may- maybe he would have just been too bad defensively to even play in today's yeah, maybe game. Maybe he never would have even made it to the league. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he I think he was like a true talent. Like just if you're giving Capono an open look, better than 50% chance it's going in. In 06-07, one of the years he won this thing, he shot 52% from three on 3.1 attempts per game. My God. Yeah, I, I mean, he was a stud. He was insane. He barely missed the 50-40-90 club that year. 89% from the line, 49% from the field. Terrible two-point shooter, that Capona. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, do you have any, any parting thoughts? Uh, any Valentine's Day plans tonight? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't come into the office today. But yeah, well, next time I'm next time we're doing a podcast, I'm going to do it from your apartment, and you have to do it from here. All right, that sounds like a deal. Okay, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going ice skating tonight, so if I don't come into the office at all next week, just assume that I'm getting like stitches or my leg amputated or something. Man, I think you're uh, you might be boyfriend of the year if you're going ice skating. Yeah, yeah, we don't. I don't. I don't like to throw that term around. You know. <laughs> all right. Have a good weekend, man. All right. You too. <laughs>
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.